what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life, and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Oh my goodness, today we are gonna have fun We're gonna talk about a realm of things, but they're all connected. (laughs) You're gonna have to track with me though. So the main thought is that doing the right thing is real. Doing the right thing is real. And here's why. When you do the right thing, when you are real, the only thing you'll lose is something that's fake. Hold on, I hope you hear that. When you are real, when you are being real, when you show up finally and decide to be real, the only thing you're going to lose is something fake. Now, how true is it that a lot of times we're afraid to heal, we're afraid to be real, we're afraid to admit our faults and our shortcomings and keyword, confront our issues. We're afraid to do that because of what we might lose, because of what we might have to give up, because of walking without our crutches. (laughs) That can seem really scary, but scarier, really, scarier really, is what you're missing out on if you don't give them up. A lot of us don't play that movie, but if you really grasp and catch that, you'll see that there is far more at risk than you staying comfortable, than you hiding, than you being fake in a lot of ways. You know your ways. You being fake, there's so much more at stake, honestly. So I know I said we kind of cover some interesting topics. So a request that I was getting was feedback on online dating. (laughs) So I'm going to get there, but I think it's really important to talk about doing the right thing is real. And specifically, we're going to talk about some of the things to do, to consider, to check, to use as some boundaries or pointers before online dating. Now, if you're in online dating, you can use this wisdom too. (laughs) And if you've been online and done online dating before, this wisdom you probably could have used. (laughs) So let's talk about something. I wanna bring up, there is a scripture It is Romans, dun, dun, dun. It's Romans 7, 19, and it says this, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Okay, another New Living Translation version. I want to do what is good. I do, genuinely. I want to do what is good, but I don't. How many of us can feel that already? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. So another way to apply this word, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If it's left up to us, yeah, cool. We could have really great intentions. We could really want to do something, 
but we don't. And we do the things that we don't want to do anyway. This is what I'm talking about, okay? So when I say confront, a lot of times we feel like that's a dangerous word. We feel like that's a heavy word and we run from that. I just don't like confrontation. Well, if you like keeping secrets and telling lies, that might be why, okay? (laughs) So here's the thing. To confront actually means to face up to and deal with a problem or difficult situation, okay? To present itself to someone so that dealing with it cannot be avoided. That's a really good one. To meet face to face. Okay, so none of that sounds bad, right? To present itself to someone so that dealing with it can be cannot be avoided probably would find some freedom in that, to face up to and deal with a problem or difficult situation. All right, well, you can't fix what you don't face. So that means if you face it, you can either fix it or get freedom from it. Come on. (laughs) All right, so that's not a bad word. And I'm going to give you an example biblically where this comes from because this is spirit-filled real talk after all. Okay, so self-study. Go to Genesis 32, 22 through 32, and it's all about how Jacob wrestles with God. And I feel like this is a great example of how we all, at some time in some season, have wrestled with God. All right? So, let me find the part that I'm going to share here. I'm just going to share the part that after he wrestles with the angel, right? Here's what it is. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered, your name, Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Okay. And then... Okay, so it talks about, too, how he basically is limping because of a hip out of socket, (laughs) which if you've ever had a hip out of socket, that does not sound like a fun experience. But all this to say, he wrestles and struggles and wins. So he receives a name change. But also, he's got this hip out of socket as a reminder of that wrestle. Right? It's a constant reminder of, I can do nothing apart from God. Apart from God, I am nothing. Okay? Now, that's not self-deprecating, but that is humility. That's, wow, I, I can see in my own power, in my own strength, leaning on my own understanding how I navigate life. And it leads me to some very interesting places that are not healthy and productive for me. Okay? So when we talk about confronting, this is really important to highlight because your deliverance is in your confrontation. But a lot of times what we do is we run. We run, we avoid, we try to get away from, okay? And that really, we can run from a lot of things, it's true. And we can mask some things for a season, maybe a couple of seasons, and feel like we're getting away with it. But eventually that will catch up to us. Eventually whatever's in the dark will come to light. So you might actually do yourself a favor (laughs) 
if you stop wrestling and you actually come to terms with who are you right now in this season? How are you showing up? What is your dysfunction? And repent from being Jacob so that God can still use you, right? A lot of us have dysfunction. So we're not here to guilt, shame, condemn, point fingers, okay? But a lot of times also, God wants to build you up before he blesses you or exposes you to the more that you probably sense in your spirit you've been created for, okay? He knows you. He formed you. He shaped you, right? He knows the purpose and the good plans that he has for your life. And sometimes we struggle not because of the enemy, but because God wants you to have a prayer life and he wants you to walk in the fullness of life. John 10, 10, right? (laughs) So he knows how to ruffle whatever is going on in your life so that you'll come to him and seek him, okay? The other thing that's important to highlight is there's a difference between getting advice, particularly in the world, like phoning a friend, and getting a word, a prophetic word. Huge difference. And even getting a word when you're just reading the word. Huge difference. Just want to highlight that. So in terms of confronting whatever your dysfunction is and who you are being right now, and you doing an assessment of if that aligns with who you actually are formed and anointed to be or not, do that assessment. So that's number one. Do an assessment of who you are. How are you being Jacob in any kind of way? What is your dysfunction? And then repent from it, turn from it. And number two would be worship because chains fall off when you worship. Deliverance happens when you worship. God goes to work when you worship and you literally cannot be focused on your addiction, your dysfunction, your hurt, your habit, your hang up, whatever it is and worship at the same time. So it really starts to train you on where to focus. So I wanted to take this a little bit deeper and I'm going to show you how to tie this into online dating. I didn't get off the path. So track with me here. When you are considering online dating, the first, I'll give you the three steps and then I'll break it down. The first step, and I'm going to extend this one, is healing. Healing. So confronting is actually healing, right? Because your deliverance is in your confrontation. Just straight up facing it. It's not running from it. It's not trying to get around it. It's confronting it and walking through. Sometimes there's consequences. Sometimes there's a healing journey, but it's going through that, okay? Some deliverance is instant, not always. God often takes us through a process, okay? So number one is heal. Number two would be repenting and making amends when possible. And then number three would be a strong self-love practice. Having a strong self-love practice. And I'll highlight a few of those things. But those are at least three things that I would use as parameters before even putting yourself online and considering online dating. Because when we think about the motive for online dating, a lot of times it's a huge investment of time. You have to sift through a lot of contenders. And a lot of times these contenders are not putting up an accurate accurate photo. They're not putting multiple photos on, so you only see one angle, right? Their bios really don't let you in. And then you go on maybe these potential dates, right? And could potentially waste your time, 
too because of how people are putting things out there. So it could get really overwhelming really quickly, particularly if you haven't done your work. Now, on the flip side, I want to be clear, it can also be, because of the world that we live in, an excellent option, right? Particularly if you have to walk around with masks on and you can't hang out with people in person really yet, it's a viable option. It's just really important to check your motive. Are you still moving out of fear? Are you moving out of insecurity? Are you anxious? Do you feel like you're not enough and you're somehow broken or not whole because you're not with another person? Are you after a status change, right? Are you looking just to waste time and are you running from something else that the season could be for? Because you can't get that back, okay? And it would be the worst thing if you end up investing a ton of time in online dating to avoid or run from something else really to not confront something else, to get caught up in a distraction, a soul tie or something unhealthy for you only to repeat a pattern or patterns or dysfunction that you haven't faced yet with another human that you then have to recover from. Messy, messy, messy. So we're going to talk about this. (laughs) So let's talk about it. I for years was a part of a Christ-centered recovery program. I went through it personally because I was leading women through it as well, and it radically changed my life, and I feel like it is a total hmm, foolproof plan to really assess, if you go all in, that is, and are humble and submitted and transparent and authentic with the entire process, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you have to be vulnerable, even if it's scary. (laughs) If you go all in on it and see it from start to finish, to me, real deliverance happened for me. And it freed up a ton of energy that then God could use in my life personally. So I do believe that a Christ-centered option, (laughs) a Christ-centered recovery program, is the path. And this particular program was all about overcoming any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you have. So it's not just an addiction, but to be clear, sometimes we have things that are addictions and that are idols that we don't connect to an addiction because we think, well, it's not drinking a ton of alcohol or it's not being um, you know, abusive with drugs or anything like that. Okay, but check out your thought life and what are you ruminating on? What do you keep going back to and reliving because you keep thinking about it and you keep playing it out in your mind? Or where do you live emotionally and what do you keep taking yourself through every day? What are the key emotions that you experience every day? If you were to name your top three, what are they, right? Or when you think about what's going on in your heart, do you have anger? Do you have bitterness? Do you have unforgiveness? Do you have resentment? How is your attitude? What are you speaking over your life? These things, these things can be hurts habits and hangups and addictions really that we're putting ourselves through. And if you don't face that stuff, nobody can fix that for you at all. And if you show up with that, you're going to get linked likely to who you are in the form of another person. And that can be incredibly destructive when you're broken because hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people, okay? So it's imperative if you feel led and called to serve in a greater way that you've got to face yourself. You've got to, okay? And the good news is, is that God will help you, okay? If you repent, if you just show up with that willingness, God will do the heavy lifting. 
That's the beautiful part. Okay. So I'm going to take you through these 12 steps just to give you an idea because I feel like this gives you a great sense of am I healed? Am I whole? How do I really know? Right? Well, check it out. This will help you. So first step, we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors. So something that you do over and over again, that our lives had become unmanageable. So For example, and this again can even be cultural, like for example, with women, we're often encouraged to have a certain body type or look a certain way or, you know, have plastic surgery and Botox and butt lifts and boob lifts and like all these crazy things, right? To finally feel confident in our bodies, but there is nothing healthy about destroying the body that God created. There's not, okay? And if... If you spend all your time at the gym, looking at yourself in the mirror, taking selfies, cutting your body, watching what you're eating, making it an obsession, look at all of the energy that is going out into evil nonsense that does not give you a return on investment. It only serves to make you anxious, paranoid, perfectionistic. It's a mess. And it keeps you in this cycle of consuming. So you never grow. You never use your mind for productive things, intellectual things. You don't invest in growing and building a business, maybe. You are chasing things that probably don't even represent who you are. So this is an example of this compulsive behavior has gotten out of control. Like you can't stop it and you're obsessed with it, okay? So you in your own strength, if you've gone down that path and reinforced that pattern, you are powerless to change that and it's become unmanageable, but you've got to recognize it first, okay? So how do you do that? This verse, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans seven eighteen, right? So that's the one that I shared earlier. So, and again, for guys too, I know I highlighted ladies, but for guys too, it could be consuming money, <laughs> Um, or chasing after money. So getting cars, the right house, the right clothes, right? The right woman, all of these things, right? Which is still, but what about your character? What about your mind, right? What about your calling? (laughs) What about your, your heart? Come on, right? So think about that. Okay, number two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, God, can restore us to sanity. Hallelujah. Right? Like in my own power, in my own strength, there is no way that I can do it. But it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. This is a victory verse. Philippians 2.13. God is the one that is working in you to will, to get your will to focus on his will, right? To give you that will and to act according to his good purpose. So apart from God, we can't do that. Apart from God, we can't walk out wholeness. We can't walk out freedom, all right? Number three, we made a decision to turn our lives over and our wills over. So not my will, but your will be done to the care of God. Therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship, Romans 12, 1. So with that, it's really recognizing that we are going to commit to a different way of showing up and living. This is committing to a spirit-led life. And I don't believe that you can actually do that and be moved in your heart unless you have a certain amount of brokenness, 
because it's brokenness usually that opens the door for you to have real, authentic, genuine connection with God. And doing the right thing is real. (laughs) And so when you set yourself up to go down that path of doing the right thing, often that's when you encounter God too. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So that's where you're taking a look at where you are playing Jacob. What is your dysfunction? Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Lamentations 340. So in my first book, God's Vibes Matter, Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority, I talk a lot about how we are programmed to really walk through pain and trauma really early and then how we navigate the wilderness in our own power and our own strength, leaning on our own understanding, and then how we return to love, basically, and how we show up now that we know the truth and that we can actually be clear on, on who we are, on our identity, and how we actually walk and steward our resources and our authority that we've been given. Huge. But it really comes from being able to examine Oh, it's not, I can't just point fingers. I can't assign blame. I have to actually examine my ways and test them and return to the Lord because everybody has that. Everybody has the option to live a spirit-led life and not everyone does. And we see the ripple of that. Okay, so I didn't come from a legacy of faith. So I had a lot of excuses like I don't know God. I don't have a Bible. I don't think I can hear God for myself. I don't have time to sit and read the word. Like, you know, you can excuse make for days. You can make all these excuses if you want. But when you've gone through enough pain, you're straight up out of excuses. <laughs> all right. And then you'll you'll just experience an overflow of God's love and be so moved by his grace and his mercy if you let him in. Okay, side note. Number 5. We admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. This is really where you're confronting, where you are getting out of the way and letting somebody else see you without judgment. So powerful, okay? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16. There's nothing like being able to confess your dysfunction, your habits, your hurts, your hangups, and be listened to have somebody hold space for you, have somebody love you and pray for you. There's nothing like that experience. Somebody that doesn't see you for less than who you are, even in your dysfunction. Powerful stuff. Okay. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James 4.10. Again, something that's really affirming here is that God is doing the heavy lifting. We can't fix ourselves, right? If you've ever struggled with addiction in your life or this habit that you just can't break, whatever it happens to be for you, it could be emotional, mental, um, physical, whatever it is, right? God is the one that can remove the character defects and renew your mind, renew a right spirit in you, create a clean heart in you, not you. If you could, you would have done it already. Seven, We humble ourselves, or I'm sorry, we humbly asked him to remove all of our shortcomings. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Powerful, right? So why is that so powerful? Well, because if we're healed, right, and God removes 
removes our shortcomings, that means that we don't have to continue to operate out of them or be limited by them. So we can actually walk in the newness of life that the word describes. We can walk out our new self, our new creation self versus walking in our dead old nature, okay? That has no life, no life. All right, number eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So that was that second step that I mentioned. We made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Luke 6.31. And I'm going to connect it to number nine because they're pretty closely related. We made direct amends to such people when possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So making amends is so, so powerful, but notice that this is steps eight and nine in the process, and it's usually at least a year to go through all the steps. So this is towards the very end when you've been going through this radical work and deliverance process that God walks with you through, right? And this is important because as you make amends, you literally feel a shift in your soul. You no longer hold that person in your heart with anger or with blame or with bitterness and unforgiveness. You're able to release them. You're able to pray for them. You're able to extend love and blessing to them. And I understand that it's not always possible. So it says whenever possible. But the other thing that you can do is you can have that process with God, even if it's being able to clearly say, God, I know that I am to forgive this person, but I still feel the residue of so much anger and unforgiveness in my heart. I just in my own strength cannot get over this, but I'm willing to release this person. And I release whatever this person's name is to you afresh on today. And I pray that you change my heart and that you help me to no longer hold this person responsible for my pain and that you heal my heart in such a way that I stop reliving these old hurts so I can have and enjoy the life that you have for me. Okay, powerful prayer. And we might not know when or how, but eventually we just will live totally different because we won't be harboring all of these hurts and we won't be reliving them, okay? So that's really important. And if you can't do that, again, you can do it in person, really powerful, and it will just bring such a shift in whoever it was, whatever that relationship was, to be real. Also, you can pray, always pray and intercede. And then the other thing that you can do is you can write a letter and the same accountability partner that you have, I recommend finding one, somebody that can, again, hold non-judgmental space for you, somebody that is trained to do that too, so that they're not just going to give you advice, but they can give you a word if you ask for it. Um, but they can also be a sounding board and an active listener as you share this letter, but you can write a letter of forgiveness, of release to this person, which will also release you from anything that you could have or should have, in your opinion, done differently, right? You're no longer holding yourself tied to this person and you're no longer holding them 
accountable to fixing anything. You're just releasing it. So sometimes the letter helps if you can't do it in person. All right, number 10, we continue, we continue. So this is a lifestyle to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. So just because you go through a healing process doesn't mean that you're just immune from all triggers or temptation. It doesn't. But that's why you continue to take personal inventory often, not for, again, guilt, shame, condemnation, but for awareness, for diligence, so that you can direct your focus and use wisdom. Okay, here it says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, right? (laughs) So a lot of times when we think that we're above something because God actually delivered us from it, we think that we're above falling again or backsliding or going back to old behaviors and thoughts and emotions and people and things and all of that. But if you think you're standing firm, (laughs) be careful that you don't fall, meaning that we could still fall. Okay, number 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. So that one is really powerful because... It's prayer, it's meditating on the word of God, it's praying for more knowledge and wisdom about what God's will for us, and the power, the strength, the character, the discipline, the self-control, the fruit of the spirit, really, to carry that out. Now, that is a powerful process because that is spiritual training so that you can develop spiritual maturity and really walk in alignment with God and his will for you rather than your old ways of showing up and your old ways of doing things. And it's really important to constantly seek through prayer and meditation. You've got to feed yourself different is what that means. So it's putting something different in front of your eye gates. It's listening to something different because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to dwell richly in it. You've got to consume a ton of word. You got to hear it all the time. So that could mean sacrifice, right? Waking up early, spending time with God and starting to develop authentic relationship, listening to the word, listening to sermons when you're in your car and in your commute, forsaking a TV show, for reading a devotional, journaling, meditating on different words, right? It's really, really powerful. And then you'll see that when you have this spiritual fortitude, then you're able to get your flesh, your mind, your will, your emotions to submit to your spirit. So you're no longer ruled by your thoughts. You're no longer ruled by emotion or ruled by feelings, but you're able to get that under control. All right. And consistently. (laughs) Okay. And last step, having had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all of our affairs. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Galatians 6.1. So that is a really powerful verse. It's basically saying living a spiritual life is the main thing, right? I am a spiritual being having a human experience. So if I want to influence the world with the kingdom of God, I've got to spend more time in the kingdom. Otherwise, I'm going to look just like the world because whatever you focus on grows more in your life, okay? Now, why that's also important is you're not here to be the the critique, the critic, right? You're not here to be watching other people, telling them what they should do, what they shouldn't do. You're not God, okay? 
But if you're walking with somebody and you can see that they're caught in sin, you can address them gently, gently, right? One-on-one. Okay, but you got to be careful because if you spend too much time around things that also tempted you, you can fall back into that stuff. So as you can see from these 12 steps, this is no joke. Okay, and not many people are willing to do that kind of work. Straight up, they're not because it requires sacrifice. It requires seasons of loneliness, putting a do not disturb on your heart. It probably requires navigating some uncomfortable feelings and thoughts and emotions. It requires a lot of stillness um, and less doing. So it's tough. Not a lot of people confront, but if you don't confront, you perpetuate generational curses, legacies of dysfunction, and a lot of other things that you could have stopped. So your why for your healing has got to be more important. And it could be simply that you are here to live free indeed, but you cannot do that if you're chained by your own dysfunction and you will continue to walk out dysfunction unless you confront it. Okay, so first step before actually getting on online dating, any platform, I don't care what it is, make sure that you heal. Make sure that you've at least given yourself a year. There's no time limit on this, but make sure that you've at least gone through a process like the one that I described so that you're not trying to just fill a gap. You're not trying to just rush your healing process. You're not trying to take a shortcut, okay? Because yeah, nobody might see it and you might be able to hide. However, are you actually advancing? No, you're going to end up exactly where you are. Okay. So number one is heal. Number two is make amends. And that's really powerful. So it's basically bringing yourself closure, knowing that that's not going to come from another person, but you're keeping your side of the fence clean. You're tying up any loose ends so that you can move forward confidently. You'll have no reason to look back. So make amends whenever possible. That's really, really important. And then lastly, before getting online to do online dating is self-care and having a firm practice of self-care things that bring you life and that really support you. And this isn't necessarily getting a massage or getting a manicure pedicure. This to me is more daily lifestyle habits that feed your soul and help you keep your oxygen mask on. So personal development, meaning ways to help you grow and evolve. Where are you weak? Where can you study skills on, let's say, communication or expressing yourself in healthy ways? Or maybe you're not good at holding boundaries or keeping boundaries, or maybe you weren't taught about that. So maybe read about that. Maybe emotional intelligence. You have been a mess emotionally. So maybe studying about emotional intelligence, but investing in personal development. Yes, this is also being in the word and meditating on the word, but it's also life skills too and developing your character. And I would just pray and ask for direction before you find these resources. But investing in personal development, moving your body and really taking care of your body, it's so, so important to have a way to release stress, a way to breathe in fresh air, a way to walk, a way to move, a way to strengthen your body. A lot of times we sit, so it's really important to to build muscle too, to help keep your bones and your joints strong. So that's really, really important to stay active. Also, 
eating really healthy foods and eating for energy and avoiding things that create more anxiety, stress, and pressure for you, whether that's caffeine or a ton of sugar, but really investing in getting a healthy plan of eating. So a lot of times we either don't eat or we eat a ton when we're emotionally walking through things. So that's a really important area to clean up. Also, serving. Serving is one of the fastest ways to get out of being self-centered and self-absorbed. Huge. So I recommend doing that. And then lastly, gratitude, which is also worship, but being able to really get back into a place where you're thankful, where you're grateful, where you're content, and where you're able to worship and praise God. Super important. So those are just ways to take care of yourself and they form a base that then you're able to decide, can I take on more? You can let your yes be yes and your no be no. You can really sense when you're off and you just need to take some quiet time and just be still or when you need to go wrestle something out with God versus having all these conversations that you don't need to be having with other people, right? Because with our mouth, we can speak life and death, right? So it's really important to make sure that you are processing and it's the easiest thing not to do, to be still, to do this inner work, but it is the one thing that makes us feel strong, bold, courageous, brave, clear about our identity, empowered with our authority and able to really walk out what we're here to do, which again is separate before even connecting to another human. Okay, so why do I address this? Because you've got to be radically responsible for you. You've got to do healing and you might have to walk through different seasons of that. You've got to be able to make amends with people and admit your own faults and repent from them and move on without shaming yourself and wasting years of your life in condemnation. And then you've got to also have self-care practices so that you can stay strong and stable. You don't have to have a uh, meltdown, there we go, a meltdown in order to start taking care of yourself. It shouldn't get to that place at all. And all of that stress leads to toxicity and dis-ease, okay? And that can literally become disease in your life. So it's really important to not dodge the things that you know to do that you just don't make a priority. Make them a priority. Okay, because if you don't have good boundaries, people can take advantage and run you, (laughs) right? You can just morph into their agenda and lose yourself and just being connected to another person. If you don't have standards, somebody can decide what they want to do in your life. They can, again, manipulate and control, right? It's really important that you do your work. Okay. And then lastly, if you've done all of this (laughs) and are led and open to online dating, then go all in. However, keep these three C's in mind when you are evaluating a person and having a conversation with them before you even commit to meeting. Number one, connection. Connection, okay? Number two, chemistry. And then lastly, number three, compatibility. A lot of times we rock that in reverse. We look for all the ways that we're compatible and we decide that must be a fit. And then we have chemistry, hopefully. And then we 
ascribe that to being connected to this person when really connection often happens spiritually. It's something that you know and can sense in your spirit. There's just this conviction and this knowing. It doesn't even have to be expressed, but you feel that. And then there's this chemistry, like when you're actually talking and connecting, like you do feel this chemistry, right? And then compatibility, which is character and strengths and different ways that people show up, leadership styles, all that kind of stuff, right? So keep that in mind when you're connecting. It shouldn't just be a bio, a picture, a physical appearance. No. If you are in it for the right reasons, all of the things that I'm mentioning will make sense. If you really want to be connected to your match, this work is important. If your agenda is just to go out there and have a good time and you don't care about any of this, then you don't have to apply any of this to your life. But my encouragement would be that you possibly, if you're unclear about that, could create a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. So hopefully this has blessed you, but it's definitely time. I can sense that in my spirit for some of you to do the right thing. The struggle is real. Walking out a spirit-led life is difficult work. Doing the right thing is difficult work, but that's real. (laughs) The right thing, doing the right thing is real. You don't have to magnify the struggle. You can magnify doing the right things. So I hope you will do that. If you have questions, feel free to shoot me an email at info.julianapage at gmail.com. You can visit julianapage.com for more resources. There's a self-mastery course. There's coaching, different coaching packages over there that you can get involved in to really level up your practices and your lifestyle. And then you can also check me out on Instagram at Miss Juliana Page. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed.